Hi, Crash Course listeners. This is your host, Jessica Nesterak, popping in with a quick note. We recorded the following podcast in the middle of the first quarter of 2020, when coronavirus was a concern primarily for jet fuel demand. At that time, significant impacts had not yet been felt worldwide. Since then, the situation has changed dramatically. Social distancing is taking place around the globe, which is expected to have a big impact on gasoline demand. The OPEC Plus meeting ended without an agreement in early March, followed by Saudi Arabia pricing its crude oil aggressively. Beyond that, equities markets have moved sharply lower amid concerns about the virus's impact on the global economy. We'll have more on all of that in upcoming podcasts. But in the meantime, we wanted to share this recording with you as we go back in time to mid-February to look at some spot market fundamentals region by region across the United States. Welcome to the Opus Crash Course. I'm your host, Jessica Nesterak. Gasoline and diesel prices in 2020 have gotten off to a rocky start. Intense market volatility spurred by tensions in the Middle East and followed by demand uncertainty as the new coronavirus spreads have sent prices flying and sputtering. But the thing about gasoline and diesel prices is that they can fluctuate drastically region by region due to fundamentals specific to individual markets. Here to talk about that is Opus Spot Market Editor Extraordinaire, Rachel Stroud Goodrich. Rachel, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Let's start with some basics. How are gasoline and diesel priced in the market? Gasoline and distillates, they're sold by refiners in large quantities on what we call the spot market. So when we're talking about prices on the spot market, those are represented as either a discount or a premium to the futures price. And explain to me what a futures price is. The futures price is often when you hear people talking about the price overall of gasoline or of ULSD, that sort of thing. They're talking about a paper market. It's based on the NYMEX. That's an exchange based out of New York. And these contracts don't actually get traded. So it's just almost like a piece of paper, like an insurance contract to say what the price is, but you don't get a gallon of gasoline from it. Right. So I should say there is an option to deliver, but it's not usually executed. So they are traded, but not executed. So with that, when you're talking about the actual prices, when people are trading those volumes, those barrels right out on the market and they need that supply, they need to sell. In that case, usually those trades are done at a bit of a differential to the NYMEX. So either above it or below it. Above or below it, exactly. And that's how we get those prices for those large bulk quantities. So ultimately, though, the reason that's important if you're looking downstream is because what's happening on the spot market, that's going to affect wholesale rack. That in turn is going to affect retail. So the repercussions go all the way down the line there. So let's start from the top. Take me through our major influences on those paper markets, on futures prices in 2020. I mean, as of this 30 seconds, it's been a crazy year so far. Exactly. Yeah. With that caveat, because right now we're in the middle of the first quarter. So things are volatile and this could definitely be subject to change. A fluid situation. Very fluid. But so far, overall, the trend has been lower and it's been dramatically lower. So if we're looking at WTI, 
today, the crude futures contract, that fell about $10 over the course of January. And a lot of that is due to demand implications stemming from the coronavirus. Exactly. Yes. It's a variety of factors. But I mean, if we want to look at it, actually, demand for refined products was already down. If we're looking at year to date as of late January, there was already a demand drop of 4.2 percent. So really, the coronavirus is piled on, piled on top of that and affecting that. And, you know, if we want to look at it more specifically, it can affect all products, but really jet fuel is where we're seeing a lot of that implication. You've got airlines stopping flights to and from mainland China. That's having a huge effect. Yeah. And in prices, you know, naturally that's going to impact it. So the U.S. jet fuel prices just last week, they were at their lowest weekly average in two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. So it's really come off there. You have to remember that there's even a bullish factor out there. We've lost one million barrels per day of crude oil production from Libya. And even that is just not having the effect you normally think you'd see. So that's a lot for the individual spot markets to either go along with or to add to with a premium or to shrug off with a discount. So let's look at those individual regions, starting with the U.S. Gulf Coast, which encompasses the bulk of U.S. refining. It sure does. We were actually just looking at this with the Gulf Coast editor. They process more per day in terms of how much crude is getting processed by the refineries than all the other U.S. regions put together. Wow. Yeah. So that's a lot. The Gulf Coast is the big kahuna. It is the big kahuna in terms of production, at least. Yeah. And right now, they have a lot of gasoline. In January, they were close to 96 million barrels, which put them at the highest point since EIA began tracking data back in 1990. So they have a lot of gasoline. And now there are demand implications. And now there are demand implications. Yes. And there is a factor in that there's planned maintenance for quarter one. At refineries. At refineries. So that could, you know, have an effect on how much is getting processed, how much is getting supplied. Because Um, refiners, they'll go offline, they'll need to make up the barrels that they aren't producing, they need to go get them somewhere they have to buy. Exactly. So that could be a bit supportive of prices then if they do do that. And then, you know, if we're looking further, because I know we're talking about a 2020 outlook in the Gulf Coast, I feel like you have to mention, unfortunately, that hurricanes are a fact of life and that that can also see some implications on what happens to pricing in the Gulf Coast. It tends to be short lived, but that is where we can see some interesting things happening. And with most of it happening toward the end of the summer and in the early to middle part of the fall. Yes, exactly. I would say the last two quarters are probably going to be where we would see that action if that happens. Also, your diesel inventories are really high right now. As of the late January EIA data, they were at their highest levels since 2017. So we're hovering around some very high points there, too. And one of the questions is what to do with it. Because the Gulf Coast exports internationally, Mm -hmm. but they also send product to other regions of the U.S. Through pipelines and other ways. So right now, for example, if I have ULSD, I'm looking to sell it. There are pipelines that could take you up to the Midwest. But right now, Group 3, Chicago, they're only a few pennies stronger than your prices you're going to get in the Gulf Coast. So there isn't the incentive to really send it there. So where are they sending yeah. it? So that's the big question. So it looks like what they've been doing is sending more toward the East Coast, more toward New York Harbor. Right now, New York Harbor has been around $0.08 cents stronger 
than the Gulf Coast in terms of prices. So that's a pretty good return. Mm -hmm. And actually, in terms of New York Harbor, not only are we seeing the pipeline that goes from Greensboro, North Carolina, so that's Colonial's Line 3, goes from Greensboro all the way up to New Jersey. Linden, New Jersey. Yeah, Linden, New Jersey, New York area sort of thing. That's been allocated for the first time in quite a while. And remind me what an allocation means. So in very broad terms, it limits the amount of product that shippers can send up that pipeline. Okay. And usually that has not been the case, but that's come into play now. But even in addition to that, you know, you mentioned the pipelines, but we're even hearing in New York Harbor, there's chatter about people who are looking into Jones Act ships. So those are very specific ships that can carry material from one U.S. port to another. So basically, even if they can't do it through the pipeline, people are looking for another way to ship to other regions from the Gulf Coast and up to the East Coast. I want to get back to New York in a minute, but let's return to the Midwest. That's a region that's very heavily influenced by seasonal agricultural activities. Can you let me know kind of what's on the radar for this year? Last year, we saw very wet conditions, which slowed or stopped planting in a lot of the Midwest area. And because of that, the ULSD demand really went down because that's tied closely to the farm equipment, to what's needed in order to process these agricultural products. So that is something that we'll know in the early spring, so a little further on from now. But you can bet that's something that everybody in the market out there is going to be watching. What's that demand going to do? What about gasoline in the Midwest? Right. So gasoline, actually, it's ample. Like the Gulf Coast. Not quite like the Gulf Coast, though. So it's more on par with the five-year average, with Mm -hmm. the seasonal average. So I don't think there are any concerns necessarily about the levels at this point. But basically, late January levels were around the highest levels seen since February 2019. So if we're looking at it seasonally, seems to be in a kind of an ample Ample, category. but not crazy. Right, exactly. So that's not something we're hearing a lot of chatter about. But production rates are really strong. The Midwest hit its highest refinery utilization rate in the country at the end of January, and that was 90.3%. So they're really churning it out. So given all that product that refineries are churning out in the Midwest, what are the routes to get it out? Is there a specific pipeline that we're seeing a lot of activity on to get it to other regions? Well, you know, one of the interesting things, and I don't know It's been hard to get a handle on how much is shipping this way so far, but Laurel Pipeline has just become a bit of an outlet for the Midwest. So it kind of leads us into New York Harbor a little bit by way of background. We had a big shift in New York in the Northeast region last year. In June, there was a series of explosions. There was a massive fire at the Philadelphia Energy Solutions refining complex. And so after that... The complex shut down, and that was a very important refiner on the East Coast. Now, as of the recording of this podcast, the exact fate of PES is still being determined, but it's already had impacts, and one of those is on Laurel Pipeline. So in relation to the Midwest, for years, there's been this discussion about changing the flow on Laurel Pipeline originally. It transported refined products from Philadelphia out to Pittsburgh. So you're going east to west there. But that kind of took a turn after the loss of PES and Laurel Pipeline is now providing bi-directional service on a large section. It's a two-way street. It's a two-way street, essentially, yep. And so now you can get some product 
from the Midwest over to as far as Altoona. So that really is opening up a different market there. And we'll have to see how that goes at this point. We're just getting a handle on it. It's all very new. What else is the New York Harbor region facing in 2020? Aside from Laurel, in general, the market dynamics have shifted. If we want to look at distillates, I'd say the biggest impact has been on the low sulfur heating oil. That product is a heating oil. It has a 500 parts per million sulfur content. Because that region uses that type of fuel to heat homes. To heat homes, exactly. That's exactly it. And PES happened to be a major supplier in the region. And when we're looking at it, already the supplies had shrunk a bit because we've been having some regulatory changes. So there are a lot of states that are now saying, no more, we're at 15 parts per million sulfur. So that's a different product. That's lower sulfur. That's That's lower sulfur. Lower than the low. Yes. It's an ultra low sulfur as (laughs) opposed to the low. So low is 500 parts per million, and then ultra low sulfur. How low can you go? 15 parts per million. Exactly, exactly. So that was already in short supply, and now with PES no longer providing that, that has really become a tighter market there. Yeah, and then if we want to also look, you know, on the opposite side of the barrel, PES was a major supplier of alkalate. So that is something that is used in different things, but it's a component of high octane premium gasoline. So last summer after PES's closure, that was right in the middle of the summer season when people are driving a lot. There's a lot of demand, you know, generally speaking. And there are cars that need premium gasoline. There are cars that need premium gasoline at that time of year. And those prices really jumped right after that closure. So looking ahead, you know, that was last summer. What's going to happen this summer? One of the kind of interesting things is that tier three regulations have gone fully into effect in between those two seasons. In January, those went into effect with the start of the year. And tier three means that I need to reduce the amount of sulfur in my gasoline, if yes, I remember correctly. exactly, exactly. And the way that you do that is to increase the severity of what we call the hydrocracking process. Why that's important to us is that it reduces the octane content of what you're getting. So then you need to boost octane. You need octane. more alkalate. And you need more alkalate. don't have the alkalate producer anymore. Exactly. So it remains to be seen how that's going to function or if we'll see a different dynamic. But there is a potential to get that squeezed this summer. We're talking about premium gasoline. And as we know, that can see a lot of volatility. Let's look toward the region that we've forgotten about. It's... The West Coast, it's kind of an island unto itself. (laughs) That market always sees a lot of volatility simply based upon the fact that it is somewhat removed from the other markets that we've been talking about east of the Rockies. What have we been seeing over the past year and what do you think we can see in 2020? During the past year, you know, starting with the premium gasoline, that varied by about $1.66 per gallon over the course of the year. So that's a lot. And like you said, it's due to the general volatility and not necessarily to the West Coast. And out of all of that, 2019, you know, even though that region is normally volatile, 2019 was particularly so. There was planned and unplanned refinery maintenance that just combined to create a real shortage. I know we talked about premium, but also even the regular grade gasoline felt that Los Angeles Carbob had a range of more than $1.35 per gallon in its basis differentials. So it went from a discount of 8.25 cents under the Arbob futures contract. On the NYMEX. On the NYMEX, all the way to about $1.28 And California has a very specific type of gasoline that they are required to use. So it's not like 
something that you can just import from another region. Exactly. That is one of the huge issues in terms of California and why we see these swings. But then also it's even getting product, you know, it's disconnected in terms geographically to the rest of the country's oil infrastructure. So it's not like it's easy to get stuff from the Midwest or from the Gulf Coast right over to California. It it sort of relies upon its own infrastructure or waterborne imports. Or waterborne imports, which can take quite some time. It can take weeks to arrive. So even when there's an opportunity and prices are high in California, it takes a while. By the time you get your vessels there with the product, the market will have shifted. Exactly. So it can be a very interesting region that way. What is it looking like for 2020 in terms of that maintenance? So far, light maintenance is scheduled. So far, it's looking good, I guess, in terms of that. But what we don't know is the wild cards. So we don't know what unplanned maintenance is out there. We also don't know, you know, California has been seeing more of these power grid outages. And we don't know how that's going to impact things as well. And then on top of that, you have some more overall trends that we want to keep an eye on. You know, we're hearing that the state is shifting more and more to a renewable diesel. And with that, there's an expectation that more and more of that fully hydrocarbon diesel is going to be exported possibly to Mexico, possibly competing with other exporters from Asia and elsewhere. So it's kind of a longer term dynamic that we're also keeping an eye on there. To wrap up, we've been talking about the spot market, which certainly influences the wholesale market, and then, of course, the retail price at the street level. How is it looking for retailers in the year 2020? If we're looking at what's the most profitable market for retailers, that's going to be the West Coast. You know, I was looking at 2019, Opus's Retail Fuel Watch had all of the top 20 cities in the country for selling gasoline. They were all on the West Coast, and 14 of those were in California alone. Wow. But overall, retail margins are really strong nationwide as those drops that we saw in the spot market lower the supply costs. So we have January 2020 retail margins seeing the best start to any year on record. We'll be keeping track of all the markets, spot, wholesale, and retail all year long on blog.opusnet.com. So be sure to check us out there. And we will be checking back in with you this year, Miss Rachel. Sounds good. Another great way to stay on top of the market is to subscribe to the Opus Crash Course podcast, wherever you connect, like Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Play. Thanks for listening to us today. Talk to you soon.